Welcome back to the Almost Shameless Podcast with Tanya Ray Fox. I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox, and this is episode 13. I recorded an episode 13 last week, and I just didn't like how it came out. I honestly, I recorded it, I edited it, and when I listened back, I was like, this is not good enough. I just, I don't know if it was or it wasn't, but I didn't feel good about it. So, and that's a lot of work to put in and then have to do it all over. So, Unfortunately, this is a week late, but we are here nonetheless, and I'm happy to be here. I'm sorry if I sound a little bit nasally. I'm trying to cover it up. I am dealing with a wild allergy attack over the last couple of days. I've never had allergies until 2020, so like I'm a massive baby about it. Um, I've never had like this type of reaction before. It must be the weather, like a change in my body chemistry. I have no idea but it really puts you on your ass and I'm learning quite a lesson. So I'm dealing with that. But luckily, most of this podcast is going to be an interview that I did um, already. So you won't have to listen to my nasaliness for too long. I sat down this week with my friend, Brian Kalbroski, who runs the NBA wires over at USA Today Sports Media Group. He is a writer for Hoops Hype. He is all things basketball and NBA, and he has been preparing for the NBA draft. So he is the best person to be talking about uh, basketball with in 2020. And I decided this week that I wanted to take a break from the NFL. And I know it's not really that timely because things are crazier than ever. And, you know, the Patriots are struggling right now. They're uh, the worst that they've been in a long time. Um, And there's a lot to be said about what's going on with Patriots, what's going on with Cam Newton, how they're handling that adversity, how COVID has affected their season and, you know, how to assess sports and teams that struggle in the time of COVID, especially when there's no bubble. Um, the Dodgers won the World Series last night. That was a big deal. Again, also marred by a COVID controversy. Turns out Justin Turner was playing in the game, potentially with COVID, as he had a test that came back inconclusive before the game and then a positive test that came back during the game. Still not sure how that works, but he was playing and then he was celebrating after. So I'm just really feeling uh, jaded and frustrated with the way that COVID is being dealt or not being dealt with in these leagues. And I'm having a hard time really assessing the teams and where they are and their legacies and all those things because we are not in normal times and because things are so unprecedented. And I'm honestly just emotionally drained by it. And I'm taking a week off from the NFL and we're going to talk NBA where they've handled this situation really well and where I don't feel so conflicted. And there's a lot going on because they are going to be trying to start up their season potentially as soon as December. So we had an amazing discussion. I really had a blast talking about it. I obviously asked him about the Celtics and what he thinks about the Celtics moving forward. We talk a little bit of Doc Rivers and Ty Lue and the coaching switch-ups there between the Clippers and the Sixers. We talk about, you know, LeBron's impact on the league and whether or not he'll want to play as early as December especially with the Olympics coming up potentially in the summer of 2021. So it's a really fun discussion and uh, a little NBA talk amidst all this craziness in the NFL and in baseball. So let's just get to it. This is my chat with Brian Kalbroski of USA Today Sports Media Group. Shall we? I am here with my uh, friend and former colleague, Brian Kalbroski. Honestly, you're more of 
just a like BFF at this point. And anytime I need to talk about the NBA, I bring you on because you know, so it's not even like, you know, a little bit more than me, you know, a lot more than me. I think I, like we talked about this in text earlier, my soul's hurting from talking about the NFL and what's been going on there. And I needed a break. And you're good on both counts. Like you make me happy and you know about a league other than the NFL. So thank you for coming on. Hell yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I also, I also just love catching up with friends over podcasts. It's like a very funny thing that people with our jobs can do that. Uh, I don't know. Last time we did this on a podcast, it was very fun too. I think I correctly predicted that Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, both to the Nets. You did. And I don't think that was getting that much momentum yet at the time. So no, it's actually a pretty big deal. I'm pretty sure Courtney and I made a large deal about it. Like after it all happened, we were like, this happened on our podcast. We broke Yeah, we broke the news. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about the fact that this is an opportunity to catch up with your friends in sports, but I guess that's what we're doing. You know, it's like, let's, because I actually don't know what you think about any of the things we're going to talk about right. today, yeah. which is something we would chat about if we were just like shooting the shit and we're just going to record it and then well, give it to the people. Part of being bicoastal, right? You know, the things that you could hint to talk about when you're hanging out can't really, can't really do it. We may never see each other again. Probably not. That's okay. That's all right. We'll handle it. Um, This is my introductory thought. And like, we can just see where it goes. Again, this is, I'm not interviewing Brian. He's my friend. We're chatting about the NBA. So, so we know the NBA has basically been the, not on the forefront of just sports in terms of handling COVID and the coronavirus and all that stuff. They've, legitimately changed the way the United States has handled COVID. Um, Rudy Gobert was like the catalyst for us taking this seriously in this country, which is fucking insane, but that's legitimately, that's how it went down. And then from there, the way that they instituted testing, the way they handled the bubble, all of it, they've been on the like front lines of figuring things out. And now there are reports specifically from Mark Stein and the New York times that they're going to start the season training camp as early as December 1st with the goal to start the season by Christmas. He said December 2nd, but they're looking to start by Christmas. The insinuation there is that they want the Christmas viewership. This is obviously a play to make some money. We don't think that there are going to be fans in the stands. Like what's going on here after all these months of handling COVID so well, is this like a rush back because we're in debt type of situation? What's going on with this decision to try to start it in December? Yeah, I mean, first we'll look at the latest, which Shams tweeted like half an hour ago um, that the memo to the 30 teams for limited slash no fans for next season would be enhanced theatrical light, lighting, uh, crowd from arena noises slash NBA 2K slash pre-recorded chants, and possibility of team arena entertainers. Um, so that's not necessarily the uh, the end-all, be-all of what it's going to look like, but it sounds like it's the, the key takeaway there is limited slash no fans. So I guess it would probably be potentially like the World Series, but I guess in the NFL too, where it's, you know, yeah. full capacity. But right. uh, the the part that's alarming there is, you know, the the indoor element, I would say. Um, I know I talked to my dad about this even where he was like, we need to look at what the NBA did to make the bubble work. And like, what do they do? Like, how do they, how do they get that to work? And I just, you know, referenced him to one of your tweets where it was like, the NBA didn't actually do anything particularly special. I mean, they had more access to testing, but realistically they just kind of followed the protocols that have been given to us this entire time. Like they just, right. um, 
they just actually listened, you know, like they actually like followed the rules. So, um, you know, I think the, the hard part for, for why the rest of us can't do that is, you know, because we don't necessarily have access to the rapid daily testing that they do. I mean, the testing on my block is like four blocks of people long feels like usually. Um, but I would say, you know, the rush back, I mean, I think the money plays a huge role in it. Um, and I think, you know, if you put the longer you push it back, the longer uh, everything kind of ends up being without fans, the closer you are to having a labor dispute um, and the closer you are to potentially having to change the salary cap uh, for the next generation of basketball players. Um, that's probably the, the main thing that I can point to. Uh, basketball, yeah. Just basketball related income, you know, BRI is like the number one driver of what salary cap is is drawn from. That's how, you know, the max contracts get to be the exact figure they are is based off BRI. And if the income is lower, then the guys end up making less money. And then there's just more likely to be a lockout. Do you think that the NFL, like basically saying, fuck it, people are going to get COVID, we'll reschedule games, we'll figure it out, and kind of just ignoring the need for a bubble has convinced the NBA to be like, did it at the, at what people think are, was the height of the pandemic. And we took this massive financial hit for it. We're not going to do this again while the NFL is just doing whatever they want. I don't know if they're taking a play from the NFL necessarily. I don't know if too many people are looking at the NFL right now and being like, that's what I want to do. Um, Cause I don't but think it would be what they're doing. They wouldn't have a bubble. They'd be starting in the middle of winter during a pandemic. Well, I don't think it's necessarily because the NFL is doing it. Like, I don't think it like it is, it is, it might be the same model, but I don't think it's because they're like, oh, well, we saw, I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, obviously they're aware of what the NFL is doing, but I don't think they necessarily see the NFL as something that's working and then being like, oh, we need to emulate that too. I think it really comes down to just like them realizing that, you know, they're kind of running, they're running against the clock. And, and also, I just don't know if they feel, that if anybody really feels that things are going to be back to normal anytime soon. And I think, I don't know if they're comfortable with the idea of having to front the bill with another another bubble location i think they're clearly not right i mean they're clearly not comfortable with that so that's why they're not doing it and i think that there is like there's got to be some level of like we took this this massive financial hit to do this and the world series is still being played the nfl season is still going on the nfl is still making their money still getting their ratings it's to in a lot of ways like how could you possibly feel like putting yourself through another bubble would even be worth it when realistically we haven't held any other league to that standard. And, but now it also feels like it's like, no, you guys were the only ones doing the right thing. It, like, it's not like I'm not watching the NFL. It's not like I'm not yeah. watching the world series. So for me to it's, there's a lot of hypocrisy and like conflicted feelings about being a sports fan right now, because it was nice to have the NBA in our lives doing the right thing. And now there is level of like, we can't hold them to that standard if we're not going to hold everybody else to the same standard. And it, I don't know, I feel kind of bummed about it, but I also, I mean, I'm still watching the NFL every fucking Sunday. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I think about as well is a desire to have the NBA schedule permanently disaligned with the NFL. I think that there had been talks even before the pandemic of having the season start around Christmas. You know, there are kind of conversations about shorting the season regardless. So I think that the NBA, I mean, working in sports media, we know that the NBA gets beat by the NFL time after time again when the NBA is happening at the same time as the NFL. Right. Football, yeah. Football is king in America. And I think the NBA does kind of want to have a little bit more of its moment. And I think that um 
they might be dodging the NFL schedule a little bit. I know that most casual sports fans, even people in sports media, it's not even sports fans, even most people who watch right. sports will watch the NFL until, you know, Christmas, Super Bowl time. And then once that happens, they're kind of focused more back on basketball. You know, it's a, it's a cycle of being a sports fan. It's like what's of the moment. And I think basketball is trying to avoid, you know, being secondary to the NFL. I think that, you know, they have a, a chance to do that with a younger audience or an audience that skews younger by completely being the only thing that's on TV. So I think a lot of it's not even necessarily uh, pandemic related. I think some of it might just be like a desire to permanently have this be a change for, for basketball scheduling uh, to to not be um, competing with the NFL every week uh, and, and losing. You know, I mean, you know, like, like we talked about, you know, Fox Sports led with Sunday Night Football after, you know, the, the Lakers and LeBron James, you know, won a title like that's right. not even that's not even that's not even like the NBA title. It's like it's not like, you know, straight up like Toronto. Like, you're, yeah. like obviously, that was a huge title, but. You know, it's not that wasn't even an American team. This was the Lakers and LeBron James. So in in the year that Kobe died. So like, right. uh, Like if you were going to lead with basketball at any point ever, it would have been then. And even then it was like, nah, we're good. Yeah. So listen, I, I think that there's a lot of pandemic fatigue for, for everyone. I think that what it comes down to is probably less about the safety of the fans and safety of the players and more about, the future income of the players uh, and the fact that if these guys are going to be uh, in a situation where they're losing money, like that, that affects the salary cap for a generation. Danny Green recently told the ringer that he thinks that LeBron James wouldn't be down for a December 1st start. Obviously they played the latest them in the heat. They just finished up. That's like two months off. What do you think about that? Is there a chance that LeBron legitimately would have a problem starting? And if he did, would they delay it on account of that? Or would they just say like, all right, then don't play and you can just do what people do anyway. Yeah. You know, we see that like Kawhi Leonard just doesn't play. (laughs) I I think that I don't think that's that big of a, I mean, you can get fined, I guess. I think in this case, it's probably worth not having LeBron at the beginning of the season. Sean Wall hasn't played since December 2018. Right. Uh, Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant haven't played since uh, since June 2019. Steph Curry hasn't played since March. You know, Trey Young hasn't played since March. The idea of having this go much longer like is fairly ridiculous, and it puts those teams at a very significant competitive disadvantage as well, um, because you're putting them in a situation where they haven't played competitive basketball at an elite level in a calendar year or like a full year. Like that is 12 months. Like that is um, you're putting them at a risk of getting hurt at that point too, because realistically like the conditioning is not going to be right. There's just a lot of uh, potential things that could go uh, wrong from a competitive standpoint and a health standpoint uh, at that, at that point. And like, it's not something that I would, uh, like to see either from, from a basketball perspective because I think the longer they wait, I mean, you know, there's just going to be less interest and people aren't fade and the off season is going to be, would be so long and it's already been the longest off season ever for these college kids and the, the NBA draft prospects who haven't played since March and just want to end up on a team and just, you know, get things going. So I would say, I don't think it's the end of the world, you know, if, I don't think so either. I also, I also do think at the end of the day, LeBron will end up playing. 
Um, <laughs> I was just say, I mean, the thing is, he's already played so much basketball compared to anybody who else, who else who's ever been in the NBA. Like he's just played more minutes than like most people his yeah. age ever have. Like the, the amount of minutes he's played in the playoffs prior to this, then this season, having it be all the way until September. And it, it's just like, or when, I don't even know when the finals ended early October, who the fuck knows anymore, but a two month break for him is probably like not enough to be quite honest. So if he doesn't want to play, then he doesn't, isn't this one of those things where it's like everybody is serviced by the fact that the young kids can play the teams that weren't able to play can play teams that weren't in the bubble, all that stuff. We get everything going like LeBron already gets so much special treatment. What the fuck is the difference anymore? We know he's not treated the same as anybody else in the NBA. The facade is gone. I mean, in some ways for, for the best, just let him do whatever the fuck he's going to do and start playing, you know, I don't know, in January or whenever he feels better. Yeah, it's fully merited. I mean, uh, he certainly he certainly earned it. Also, is like, is it that much of a quicker turnaround than, than Olympic, Olympic, you know, players who played in the Olympics during the summers and had to... I know. think LeBron would argue that what they went through in the bubble was a lot more mentally and physically draining than like playing in the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, it, well, they would argue that correctly. Like it was. Um yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, if he, if he needs to take that time off, then take that I mean, time. he is going to try to play in the Olympics this year, too. That's <laughs> like another be, good point. But. Next year. No, but it would be, that's what I'm saying, is if, like, you start in December, you're not done playing basketball until August again. Yeah. If you're LeBron James. If you assume that LeBron James is going to make a playoff run, which he will. So, like, again, that's like an insane season. Like, you're just making another reason why him starting to play basketball in December after playing basketball until September is if he wants to try to be on the Olympic team is probably a little much for a guy his age. It's also just With, a LeBron James specific issue though. Right. Like, That's exactly right. If you take LeBron out of the NBA this year, does it, the whole landscape of the league is different. Like everything is different. The social justice stuff is different. Not that he was the only one doing anything, but the, the platform he has, the voice he gives to it is so wildly, it's just bigger than anybody any athlete in the world really at this point so like yeah it is a lebron james specific issue but the nba to an extent is relying on lebron more than ever right now yeah i mean again you said today sports media group we have a lebron james site like it's right lebron james is a bigger brand than several teams combined you know like he like he 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 of all people he certainly counts for that so Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's way it's weighing that weighing the eye system in terms of, you know, or do you treat your ultimate star and, you know, go through that lens or literally the entire rest of the league, you know? Let me ask you this. Do you think other players give a shit whether LeBron's treated differently than everybody else? I think most people are cool with that, um, for the most part, realistically. I mean I think Tristan Thompson said like last week he was like in an interview he was like in the MJ LeBron debate among NBA players now like everybody in the league says it's LeBron and you only say MJ if you're being a contrarian right so I think I mean that's something that a lot of players who play with a great player will say well that's what most I'm players want to believe that they're playing with the greatest player of all time well, well that's so, what yeah no is right um, because these guys think that he's the greatest player of all time or at least want to believe that Right. Like, I think they're okay with like, well, yeah, he gets goat preference because he's, he's the goat. Right. Um, so I think that, you know, it's a little bit of bending at the knee to 
LeBron in this in the league by the players as well. I mean, I mean, I think I think I think for the most part they're okay with that. I don't think that necessarily how they would script it. I think they would necessarily they would probably prefer to be that guy, but I think LeBron is <laughs> it's a little too late for that. So. Yeah, well, LeBron has gotten here for a reason. Right. Yeah. Then, All right. But, so so let's say the the league starts December first, training camp stuff. Regular season games are going by Christmas. They've figured out some way to have no fans or safely have some fans at games, whatever ends up happening. For my purposes and for the purposes of a significant chunk of my listeners, the Celtics will be the main focus. And making it as far as they did, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals, losing to the Heat, there was a lot of criticism of Brad Stevens. There was a lot of uh, you know, Jason Tatum is still really young. Their core is still really young. I don't know what to make of this because like a lot of what I watched looked like Brad Stevens having a little bit of trouble executing. It looked like if Jason Tatum could have stayed more consistent, maybe things would have been a little bit better for them. There were all these like little things coming up. But then the Heat were definitely better than anyone thought in the round before, better in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then better in the NBA Finals than they should have been or than anybody thought they were going to be. So like, is there something that needs to be fixed on the Celtics? Is there a coaching issue on the Celtics? Is Jason Tatum still developing? Do they need another piece? What do you tell Celtics fans about how the Celtics succeed more going forward? I mean, I think that at the end of the day, the Celtics are, you know, an elite Eastern conference team. That's how they've been playing um, over the last two years. I think that getting over the hump is, is the question. But, you know, they're still, you know, bona fide top three team in the East year after year. I think they're, it's going to continue to get get that way. I mean, I think Tatum is continuing to show that he's a likely candidate to be an MVP in this league, um, you know, for over the next several years. I mean, the way that he has continued to progress has been uh, very, very helpful uh, for Boston. I think... I think that I think that Brad Stevens was out coached by Eric Spolstra uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I think that's I think that's fair considering you know Spolstra's been in that moment before. He does have a little bit more experience winning those games, getting over the hump um, than Boston does. Um, I mean, but recently Brad Stevens has had more playoff experience and and Eastern Conference Finals experience, right? So it's like the, he's been there. Plenty of times recently. Yeah. So like, is there is there an excuse for Brad Stevens? Because yeah, I mean, I think there's also um, the question of hunger when it came, when it came to the bubble too. I think that you know the Heat and the Lakers were, in my opinion, the two teams that wanted it the most. I know that sounds like kind of obvious, but like in retrospect, but you know, LeBron wasn't going to lose. Like it was like LeBron's title to win this year. I think, you know, that's why you saw the Clippers get bounced a little bit early. I mean, I think that they had trouble buying in as much. Um, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, they also seemed to be affected to your point by, by the pandemic. Like Paul George was not like right in the head. Right. Fine. There's like, I don't personally judge it, I think, the way other people do, but it was affecting him. The bubble was affecting him, the health of family. He's not the only one. Like, there were certain teams that were capable of rising to that level based purely on the fact that they felt safe and healthy and they weren't worried about their family. And also, uh, Jimmy Butler's just a competitive maniac. Yeah. Like, he was just willing those dudes, you know. He really thrived in the bubble format, and that was showing, like, before they were really made their run even it was so clear that like he was uh like a light in, in the bubble and that he was creating a space and that 
players wanted to be around. And I don't think, I think it took us a while to figure out how important that was in the bubble. Like since it's, since it's been over and the way that people have talked about that experience, we all understandably didn't realize how much mentally and emotionally was going to affect players and for the superstar in one team to thrive the way he did and use it motivationally the way he did, it almost seems in retrospect, of course, the Heat were going to be good. They had this the one guy there who could overcome all of it. Yeah. An insane person. Yeah. I mean, he's um, been through so much. I mean, fuck the bubble. is like, <laughs> Jimmy Butler's like, my life? Are you kidding me? This is a fucking cakewalk compared to the rest of my life. Like, I'm good. Like, I got this. And that fills over to the team. And I don't I don't know. I've never met or interviewed Eric Spolstra, but he does seem to be able to channel that energy very well. So, I don't know. I, so, that's kind of the point that I am trying to make at the end of the day right now, though, is that there were just certain teams who were just, I mean, not even certain teams, two teams specifically, right, who were just built for this. Uh, LeBron, and really it's not even teams, it was players. I think it wasn't AD, it wasn't Bam Adebayo, it was was LeBron and Jimmy Butler. Um, And I don't think you were were, were beating those guys in that environment. Um, But we only know that now, right? So it was so confusing to watch, because part of it was like, what is happening here? And we kind of know that now, but did we know it at the time? Isn't that just life, you know? Um, <laughs> but like, for me, it's like there's conversations right now. Like, should the Clippers blow it up? Right? I mean, obviously, Doc Rivers lost his job. They're completely revamping that coaching staff um, with a totally all-star cast. No, they shouldn't blow it up. Like at the end of the day, the guys who are you know compiling that roster, like it's kind of their first year really doing it. It was the first year of seeing Kawhi and Paul George, and we got to see it in really strenuous, strange circumstances. Right. And yes, Boston didn't get over the hump, but yeah, as it turns out, no one was beating Jimmy Butler in that environment. Um, so you don't think that there is anything major the Celtics need uh, to do besides get better, a little bit better than they were just improve the way you normally would season to season, like figure out what you needed to learn from that experience and move forward. Like you don't think that they're missing something sort of some large piece to the puzzle that they need to figure out. No. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, you rebuild around the edges. If you're Boston, um, I don't think that's a team that you need to build, blow it up with at all. Um, you've got really, no, I don't think so either. You know, we've got some really great culture pieces. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart were butting heads at one point. Um, those guys will figure it out. They're smart guys. I think I've already figured it out. I mean, that's the thing is like, they did do a good job of managing their internal strife to the best that they could. I mean, Jalen Brown's experience through the bubble and Marcus Smart themselves, they both were pretty like open about that and like if there was some miscommunication going forward you figure those are two players you probably don't want to lose like there's been some talk about getting rid of marcus smart um trading him and i just feel like that would be a weird decision that's why i'm asking you if like if you think that something a move that that drastic would even be necessary that would be i think that'd be bad yeah (laughs) thank you uh, I really don't want it to happen. I love I love Marcus Smart yeah. so much, but I don't even think they should trade Gordon Hayward. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. trying to trade if he if he opts in. Um, right, a lot of talk of that, and a lot of people like hoping he doesn't opt in. Like Gordon Hayward's very good. Yeah, good secondary playmaker. The great scorer. Um, I I think that people who who are rushing to get him out uh, are probably overthinking it a little bit. 
Um, I think Gordon Hayward will be just fine. I mean, I don't know. I think, and also they've been fine without without him as well. So like, I don't know if that necessarily means. And you know, it's also like usage rate is a big th- a big thing in the NBA where you know guys can only have the ball a certain amount of time. Um, and you know, got some guys that require the ball and Kemba, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. So it can be hard. It can be hard for a fourth person to step in. So it's like all these like visions of grandeur that Celtics have of like using Gordon Hayward and the picks and Carson Edwards and Romeo Langford to, to package up and turn it into like some superstars. Like, I don't know if that's really possible, Like not even from, yeah. from a league parody perspective, like, Oh, like no one would accept that. Like you already have like the guys that you're kind of building around. You kind of, those are your, right. those are your guys and those are guys you're going to war with. And I think, I think Gordon Hayward is sort of comfortable um, being more tertiary at this point in his career. He kind of has to be, right? Like, uh-huh. I mean, at this point, like being able to be on the court is a big thing for him. Um, and you're not paying to be tertiary, but in this case, he might have to be anyway. So whatever. Or, or like you said, maybe they do flip him for someone who could do the same thing for a little less money, and it wouldn't. It probably wouldn't change the dynamics of the team. That w- if they can handle the money, and that's the team they have, then great. If they flip him for somebody, and they have a little bit more money on the back end, that's great too. Like, it's not going to swing their fate. Uh, in this season to very much at this point. Yeah, um, they're, they're, they're a young core getting better. I think you got to just let, let Tatum have some time to marinate, man. Um, I agree. I forget how young he is. I think it's like so easy to forget how young Jason Tatum and even Jalen Brown are because they've been like the building blocks of the team for a couple years now. So it's almost like, well, why aren't they winning the NBA finals yet? And it's like, they're, well, first of all, they weren't going to win the NBA finals no matter what, but they also like, really are still figuring things out like Kyrie coming in for the those two years like mess things up a little bit so they're kind of start they kind of started from scratch this year and ended up in the Eastern Conference Finals like it's fine I mean listen Obi Toppin protected top five pick in this class is one day younger than Jason Tatum Holy shit. That's what, yeah. So that's a good example. Jason Tatum is uh, a child still like let him cook, man. Like he's, he's getting better every off season. He's improving. He had a strange situation, but being Kyrie's number one boy for a year. Um, I think the biggest problem that comes to mind for me with Boston might be Kemba's defensive liability. Um, he's undersized. I mean, you go against a bigger guard in the backcourt or more powerful guard, like you might get a little overpowered. Um, you can throw him around a little bit. Uh, you can probably, you can kind of play Kemba off the court a little bit. So in terms of like core pieces that there might be a problem with, like it might be Kemba's Kemba's defense just because of his frame. But all things considered, I think that they've got, they've got the right group of guys to, you know, win the East next year and, you know, like every team, there there's talk of going big game hunting and not any honest. I don't think that that's what's going to happen. Uh, really? Yeah, I haven't even heard that. That sounds like a conspiracy theory more than anything else. That would be insane. You know, fans fans will say like, "What can we do to get the right?" You know, in this draft, how do we get right. the pieces to take those pieces and turn those assets into assets? Eventually, trade. You know, it's it's like, oh, Danny's playing forty chess. You know, and it's like, <laughs> shut up! Like, no, he's not. He's building a team around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker. Like 40 chess. Like he's, he's literally doing what you're supposed to do. And if, if you're not doing this, you're playing 2d chess. I don't, I didn't tell you that I was going to ask you this, but I do want to know your opinion. Um, 
who won in the in the Doc Rivers situation? Are the Clippers better with Ty Lu or are the Sixers better with Doc Rivers? Probably the Clippers with Clippers with Ty Lu. Um, then, is that because of ownership and GM more than anything? No, no, that, that's the question. Then it's the Clippers in general. Okay. I mean, that's the front office and the ownership of the Clippers is top notch. Um, no, I'm talking about the, uh, the, the coaching, the coaching jobs of, of, you know, Tyloo and Doc Rivers strictly. I think you look at Doc Rivers and he kind of left the locker room, to take care of itself sometimes. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Ubuntu uh, in the in the Celtics days, um, which is great when you have Kevin Garnett. That's exactly what I was getting at. Was yeah. uh, and the, with the guys, I mean, Kawhi Leonard is a mute, and Paul George. I don't know if he's necessarily an alpha or not. He's certainly not in the playoffs. You know, and in, in the past he hasn't been. Um, and yeah, Kawhi has never been a locker room leader. Kawhi was like, "Are oh, you let me do what I want? I'm going to live in San Diego. I'm not going to show up to practice. I'm not going to play." Like so, like. When you let those guys do what they want, it's just a little different because neither of those guys are KG. Neither of those guys are Ray Allen, even Rondo, you know, even Rondo, who's who's built for that. Um, yeah. I don't think that those guys were necessarily built for that. So I think, uh, hopefully. I mean, the Sixers would have the same problem, right? Because there's really well, not okay. one of those guys on the Sixers either. And, yeah, Joel Embiid yeah. is too goofy. And, yeah. Um, ben Simmons is a weirdo. Yeah, too much of a piece of cardboard mm-hmm. in terms of locker room dynamics. I mean, you know, what would be great on the Sixers is Jimmy Butler. <laughs> and you know what? He, great. he really did get the best out of Embiid. Like, yeah, I know. I know. It's very weird. I mean, I, like I could not have been happier for Jimmy Butler, like going to Miami and being able to do that purely because it made the Sixers look even fucking dumb. Yeah, they look really so. dumb. They look really dumb. Um, I think that at the end of the day, hopefully doc changes his philosophy a little bit with philly and in that case you know then maybe it'll be a bigger improvement to go from brett brown to doc rivers and it will to go from doc rivers to tyloo because i think doc rivers and tyloo are fairly whatever like you know fairly interchangeable but that that's what it was for me is i don't think that doc rivers is like uh we'll let it we'll, we'll fix it in post you know let it all right you can't be a good in-game coach the way doc rivers is if your locker room is like a disaster like it doesn't matter what you do in game if like if the structure is not already there and the communication isn't there between the players so it like he neutralizes his own strengths by allowing the locker room to yeah and and the problem with philly wasn't brett brown i think the problem with philly was that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can't really be on the court at the same time because they both aren't really shooters. And if anything, Embiid's more of a shooter. You know, the floor spacing, if they're both in the dunker spot, um, the defenders are more likely to collapse at the rim. And when you don't have guys on the perimeter, you're going to have just defenders knowing that the ball is going to go on the post, which means you can kind of game plan for that a little bit better. So if you have guys who can, you know, spread the floor and go on the perimeter and have guys like, one guy in the post in the dunker spot and the rest of the guys in the perimeter, you've got four guys who can shoot out there. You more likely to get a three-pointer gamesmanship. They're going to end up with more points at the end of the day. So it just, it just, it just messes with the floor spacing. Um, having those two guys on the court. I think that Ben Simmons is probably more of a five in the modern NBA. Maybe like maybe yeah. a, a ball handling one, but, uh, <laughs> but like a defensive five, you can, I think you can guard big men and I yeah. think, you know, you still got to surround him with four shooters the way Milwaukee does with Giannis. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Pelicans are about to with Zion. And so Joel Embiid's not a shooter in that sense. He's also an interior finisher. So 
I think the problem the problem with with Philly is not was never necessarily Brett Brown. I think it was just that the dynamic of those two players from an offensive perspective doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It doesn't work. Um, I guess we'll find out because if if bringing in Doc Rivers at like doesn't in some ways fix the problems if they can't like readjust and and keep those two like they might fix the pieces around them they might interchange people whatever they might change things but at the core if they don't work together on the court we're going to find that out you know i mean there's only so many coaches you can bring in if if it's not going to work with Brett Brown it's not going to work with Doc Rivers it's not going to work with anybody so maybe this is the be- best thing for the Sixers they can finally figure out whether this is going to work or not is there anything that you need to tell my listeners about what you're up to anything you want to direct people to yeah i mean check out my interviews on hoops hype uh i interview like every basketball prospect right now the one that came out today was uh is about sadiq bay um went to villanova uh just a villanova's like the alabama of of the basketball world right now in terms of just how many guys are producing that make it in the nba they uh he was awesome he was kind of shy at first and then eventually we ended up talking about plato's uh allegory of the cave and yeah. uh, he broke down ancient Greek philosophy with me and how it applies to basketball um, in a way that it wasn't very, your third eye is not open. It was like truly like, no, nah, it's all just about perception. And like he was, he was, he wasn't like, he didn't seem like a guy to bus stop in Eugene. Like he seemed, he seemed very poised and just happy to talk about philosophy with me. He, uh, it was really cool. And that was, that was the last one that I've done. And, a bunch of the ones that I've done have been uh, really, really exciting. Um, I've been, I've been very grateful to, to check out and have the, the opportunity to, to interview all these prospects, man. So everybody go on to Hoops Hype and check out Brian Kalbroski's interviews and write-ups on the NFL draft, on the NBA draft prospects, um, and follow him on Twitter, of course, at Brian Kalbroski. And you know, just in general, just follow his content because he's my guy, and that's really it. That's that's what that's what we do here on this podcast. There's only a few of us. We're a tight knit group and we follow each other's shit. That's true. I mean, isn't Brian the best? We love having Brian on here. Um, if you want to hear some of that chat we were talking about, um, you can go back in the archives and check out the old Fox and Fallon episode that Brian was on. It was That was a fun discussion as well. It's always good to go back in the archives. Remember a time before COVID. You know, back when things were more simple and I think it's a good listen. So go ahead and do that. As always, thank you for tuning in this week. Again, thank you for your patience with uh, the episodes and, you know, and putting up with my inconsistency last week. You know, I always say it and I'll say it again. Stay safe and stay healthy and I will talk to you soon. Bye.